Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Romeo Carey podcast. This episode takes us back, oh, I'd say it was 2018. And this one was with a television personality, Rhonda Shear. She was, uh, you know, just a little history on her. She was uh, in the 90s. She was known for the USA Network's uh, it was a weekend show called USA Up All Night. She did that for at least maybe 10 years. Um, and then she started a, a business, an apparel line, Intimate Apparel, and uh, was marketed on the Home Shopping Network. And that was where she found, I think, the most success with her AHA bra. And, uh, you know, her earlier life, she was really uh, a beauty queen. She entered uh, several beauty contests, including uh, winning Miss Louisiana in 75. She was Miss USA for Miss Louisiana for both uh, Miss World and Miss International. And I'd say, you know, she was in her 50s, 60s, maybe. I thought she was well-preserved and in very good shape. And... Uh, Interesting little side note on her, on her career, one of the uh, uh, one of the incidents that happened that made the news was she had posed for a picture in Playboy, uh, even though she was fully closed in the photos. The organizers of the Miss, I think it was Miss International or Miss USA, they stripped her of her title. So you know, amazing that was back in. And you know, in the seventies, amazing how things have changed. But uh, so for this particular interview, and remember when I do these interviews, unfortunately, I wasn't intending to put these on, uh, you know, on air for podcasts. So when traditionally when I mic people for interviews, it's a single mic, or it's I mean it's a couple mics, but it's on the subject. I usually cut myself out of the interview or anybody else who's in the room with me doing the interview. In this particular case, it was me and it was my co-producer, uh, Robbie Curtis. So, I mean, forgive the, uh, the audio of, uh, you know, anybody who's not central cause that's unfortunately it's, um, you know, it's, uh, What's that? You know, it's not mic'd. So in that case, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of difficult to hear the questions. So I apologize for that. But uh, so here we go. The, oh, the do, little background on the documentary. It was Skippy Low. Now, Skippy Low, we're working on the documentary, but it's been a couple of years. But Skippy Low is huge in, you know, in, in Hollywood as a, a central figure for people coming up in Hollywood. Skippy Lowe had these showcases and he had them at the comedy club. He had them anywhere he could have them. And he'd find these unknowns and people just arriving in Hollywood. They'd all know, well, go to Skippy. Skippy will get you uh, an audition. And his auditions were, were these uh, open mic uh, nights where he would be the host and bring people on stage. And he just got... Uh, I don't know how many people started in the business 
I'll, you know, you'll learn about that in the documentary, but notables. And then he had his cable show. It was a public access show and he did thousands of interviews. But uh, so she was one of those that was discovered by him, not discovered, but given a break, brought in, taught a bunch of stuff that they needed to know to prepare them for the real world. And that's what uh, Skippy Lowe did so that that makes it easy for someone like me doing a documentary to call upon these, you know, really big celebrities and uh, let them know we're doing a Skippy Lowe documentary. And they go, wow, he's the one who brought me in and got me started in Hollywood. So this is her, this is her uh, giving back to someone who recognized her when she was really, she was a somebody, she was already a beauty queen, but even in Hollywood, you got to pay your dues. And she wanted to be a comedian. And so she needed to do stand up or sing. And in this case, she was doing stand up. And uh, uh, that's, uh, that's the backstory to uh, Rhonda Shear. Without further ado, Rhonda Shear on the Skippy Low documentary. <laughs> Honored by Loyola and they're rebuilding the communications department. Congratulations. Thank you. And I'm helping to fund that. I mean, not personally, but I'm helping to raise funds for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we, we can have them fund the Skippy Low documentary. Sure. Yes, yes. Money. Uh, we could use an executive producer. Mm -hmm. Wait, what's amazing is he's, we got, we've got Robbie. Because I think, Robbie, this thing's going to take shape because I know how many people Skippy connects to. Let's start making it clear on IMDb. So anybody who we know we have tape on and anybody who we're interviewing, just put it in a list. How long is the list now? It's like 136. That's how many people you've interviewed already? No, that's what we, we have the archive footage and then we've, oh. we've interviewed Sally Kirkland and we're doing Robert Forster soon. And, uh, that's cool. You know, LaMare. You had LaMare. Monroe, and we've got like, oh. there's like 40 interviews done. The rest are those interviews that those people aren't alive anymore, but they were celebrities. Absolutely, but just running that footage. Oh, it's nuts to see the IMDb of all the credits that are part of the documentary is what's amazing. I don't think there's gonna be a documentary with that many no, names, celebrities. Seriously, you really have to, so a friend of mine, you all may know her, Carol Connors, who wrote, sure, co-wrote the Carol. theme from Rocky. So um, they're doing a document, so I don't know who, I'm gonna meet her director, but, they're doing a documentary about her life, which is, you know, she dated Elvis. She did some pretty, I mean, she blows her own horn. And Robert, she's, <laughs> I remember she, I sat in her house with her, and she was telling me about her affair with Robert Culp. Oh, yeah, that was her, that was her big love. Yeah. That was the love of her life. But she never married. But, you know, that, that's cool. I mean, you know, maybe she'll finally win for um, You guys might be up against her. I'd love she, to see her, her. She's a character. She is a character. But those old Hollywood characters are gone. She, she embraced youth. But I help. I put her on my show too. I'm trying to think, did I ever have Skippy Lowe on Up All Night? Oh wow! That if you did, that great footage. I don't know. I I'd have to ask Bobby, because yeah. there are memory laps in my brain from all the things that I've done. Um, I was watching an Up All Night on YouTube. Uh, we had Steve Sharippa being kidnapped. Steve Sherb was always on the show. Yeah, but I mean, this particular episode, yeah. they, you know, they, they have a gun to his head. <laughs> he pulls his mask down so he can read the ransom note. 
stuff? Again, we'd always have him on as a waiter trying to get a tip, washing wigs. I mean, we would do the most bizarre. And then he ends up being this big star. We had so many stars come through that show. You should read the list of people that did up all night. So I have a video group, um, two videographers in Florida who have been slowly posting them to YouTube. This is where I, I'm going to say this in front of my husband because everybody this, that, that I've done press with in the last few days are like, you have to get them all up. I'm the only person who has all the footage because USA Network destroyed it for videotape back then, but it was in my contract that they had to give me a copy of, of everything I did. So I'm missing maybe 40 shows out of like 450. Wow. So I have, I mean, I'm talking, I have the wraparound part. Not the, I had the movies, but I tossed those years ago, but I wouldn't have had. That, but no. the, the, the comedy skits, the skits. Intros, oh outfits, my God, the people hair. I interviewed, though. I had Sir Max von Sydow in bed with me. I had Robert Altman in bed with me. <laughs> I mean, these, the, name, the names that we had on the show, and then some of the staff that went on, the, one of our, my little PAs, who ended up writing a bunch of shows? He's been exec producing for Bill Maher for years. So, I mean, just like. Well, you got they a documentary right there. There you go. Well, you got to read my book. I think my book needs to be a movie desperately. I mean, because if you look at Joy Mangano and the success of the Joy film, mm -hmm. and I know Joy really well, but if you take it from the entrepreneurial aspect, everybody that I talked to, like when I did KTLA Morning News yesterday, I've known Sam Rubin, obviously, forever as well. He was blown away that whole, all of them are blown away they're like I can't believe what you did because you were smart enough to move on you know because there's there's only so long you can be on the, the door if you're not at a certain level um, financially in every other way and they were so blown away that they all asked me to come back and do business segments with them and everything and I mean, they were more impressed with me ever than, than ever when I was here. Well, I mean, what, what you built is incredible. So, that's, so I'm saying as a film, mine has the levity. It has the characters in it. It's got the sexual harassment. It's got Playboy in it. It's got my mother, the zany Southern Jewish character. You somebody in mind to play you? Never even thought. What's her name? Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> She's a little Jewish. But, um... Oh, we have, uh, I have a family group that wanted to meet you. Oh, hi. Hi, Cindy. How are you? Good. I help with their career education camp. Oh, well, it was nice to meet you. I know. Hello. You know, that's my husband. You know, just, just for you guys to know, I speak a lot to college kids. A lot. I, I, spoke, I just spoke to Loyola. I just spoke to the entrepreneurial class at Tampa University. I mean, I speak to women's groups and business organizations as well, but because I've had this eclectic career where I came from communications, right. I majored in, in that and then completely went another way. I went to comedy and acting, and then they really love that because the fact that they have an entrepreneur school, that you can major in that is blowing me away. <laughs> so anytime, I would love to come. coming up in March. Yeah. Well, I will come back in. I have a lot of doctors here. <laughs> the guy who gives me Botox is going to stand up. Thank I'm you not so much. Dr. Damascus, is it? No. Okay, Edward's son's here. He's like one of the leading uh, dermatologists here. All right. Thank no, you thank so you, honey. I actually um, I wish I had a card. Uh, I'll, I'll give you your Okay, number. great. Yes, I appreciate that. I would love to speak to kids Sarah, here. Good to see. Yeah, it's great to see familiar faces around here. Good to see you soon.
Nice meeting you. Um, yeah, I forgot what I was going to say. That's really funny. So you're local. Uh, well, I went to Beverly Hills High. Oh, you did? I went to, her sister was a classmate of mine oh my God. in high school. And in elementary school, we went to elementary school together. But didn't start dating until 10 years after college. So we were all circling around each other, huh? Yeah. That's amazing. Really? Son's graduated 2008 and 2010 from here. Wow. wow. And I graduated a year before you, 72. Do you remember when we met LaMare and all these people? Uh, yeah. Well, I met LaMare in Paul Ryan's bedroom. That's what she told me. She told me that when she was here a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that's where we met. Do you remember the... the uh, I mean, I am the reason. Seriously, I mean, I love, I love that she gives me credit, but I am the reason that she... I pushed her onto stage. She said that. Oh, yeah. That was... I mean, but we literally met in Paul Ryan's class, right, right. and he was doing his class exactly. in his bedroom. He would move the bed, and the bed sat on a platform, and the platform was the stage. He started in public access here. In yes, he United did, States, and right? he was great, too. Around the same time as... I did Paul's show. We were in Paul's class. That's where I met you. Right. Well, I know. Yeah. Harvey well, that is. I mean, Harvey did teach us, but Paul taught us, too. I, I wound up going to funeral. That's sad. I was sad. He was great. I loved him. I know. I never had her teach me. I loved. All right. Um, let's get back to Skip here. Uh, Skip. Skip was like at the beginning of so many people's careers. It's just unbelievable. Did you ever look at Skip? From the point of view, uh, did I really learn something from his his fingerprints? The way he just leads himself, uh, even though you're not watching him on on film, just in life, his his impression of who he is. Did any of that rub off on you? Well, I think that I was always taught to respect elders, and he was an elder, and he was in Hollywood, so he embraced all of those things. He was. I just felt like he was somebody important in Hollywood and that he was in my life and that he was helping young people. So that alone, I think we all loved him. If we all would have gotten together and, and done some sort of, I don't know why we didn't. Uh, I guess we're, you're so young and you're just you know thinking about your own career and that you could always call Skippy or he would call. How did we get to him? Did, did we just sign up or call? I can't remember. I'm, I'm asking Kenny off. Do you, is that what we did? He would call us. I do remember him calling me. Um, that was cool. First of all, you didn't get calls from important people or older people <laughs> asking you to do their shows, so for him to do that. And then when Skippy asked me to do his television show years later, when I felt like I had reached a successful point in my mind where I was doing my own television show on USA Network, like it was really cool for him to interview. Oh, I, I don't need, I don't need, I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. I'm getting feedback from the other studios. we got two shows going on at the same time. Ah. That's are doing they are, and they're rehearsing and they're loud. We heard yeah. them. <laughs> wow. Yeah, there's this studio which, when this was built, uh, 
68, I think. 68, 69. I entered high school in 69, and this was a brand new building. Wow. Uh, so uh, my class was the first to really take advantage of all the new technology and stuff. So this was owned by the city, and they did their own public access. And then that's wild. Video A was the students' thing where you know I used to do stuff with all, all the videotapes or. And think about that. Not. I mean, we didn't have any of that back then. No. This got the pioneer. This is the longest running student television station in the country. It's funny because Loyola, where I went to school. They were owned by the, well, it was the Jesuit, Jesuit owned, but the Jesuits owned Channel 4, which was a CBS station. So I was able to intern there. So it was kind of lucky, too, because we had this tie between a major network television, you know, local station. But, um, yeah. Yeah, the kids have so many opportunities here, you know. Oh. Romeo and through some, you know, some of the parents, like, you know, the, the guy that ran Netflix, Judge Sarandos, his kid was one of Romeo's oh students. Oh, my gosh. So he was in here and had all this Arrested Development people and stuff. So it, it, this place is a veritable who's who. Like Absolutely. Laker kids, doesn't, I mean. We well, see, you need to do a documentary on Beverly Hills High. Right, that's true. That's in the pipeline. <laughs> <laughs> one of them, yeah. Yeah, we, we got to get the more important ones done first, if you will. That's cool. That's um, really cool. So the point, the point I was making a little earlier was, a lot of comedians are always searching for material to kind of like just uh, create a shtick. You never got to watch, you know, Skippy stand up. Yeah, I never, I never did impressions of Skippy, although everyone did. <laughs> Skippy Lou, he kind of float around and flit around the stage, and that's what I'm saying. He had this effeminate side, and some people didn't know if he was a woman or a man, and you all, it was just he had a unique look. As I never thought it was strange or unusual. I thought it was Skippy. It was just Skippy was this character. This, but I mean, he was real. It wasn't like he was putting it on. That was Skippy, whether he was home or on stage or calling you on the phone. It was the same, hello, Rhonda, darling. Is Skippy Lowe here? Can you do the showcase? And so I, but, you know, I wasn't an impressionist, but I know a lot of people did. They didn't make fun of him. It was never done in a, I didn't have any friends that ever made fun of him for the way he dressed or the way he looked or the way he acted. Or I didn't have anybody say, geez, an older guy and... I think everybody just thought he was really cool. I think that we all thought he was just this really cool guy. And um, I'm now married, 17 years. I reunited with my high school sweetheart, and I and I asked him if did I talk about Skippy, and he said I did. That you know when we first got married, and the people that I came across in L.A. that helped me, and so you, I can count on just one hand, you know, people who truly helped because everything was climbing on your own. At the end of the day, even your agents don't help you, but Skippy would. And if there was something that he could help you with, and I can't tell you offhand, but he would turn you on to other people or, you know, have you there. Or somebody, so-and-so is coming to the showcase, you need to be there tonight. People don't do that. Um, he wasn't jealous of young people getting ahead or making it. I think he was really confident in who he was and what he was doing. I mean, maybe I didn't know a side of him that maybe he felt he didn't make it in a certain I don't. I never knew that side. It just seemed like he was pretty happy. If there was another side to him, I didn't know that side. Um, but I think he, when he did his talk shows, he that's when he was really the happiest, and he was good. I, I mean, I have to put my hands on that tape because he asked really great questions, 
that alone is enough that, to make a talent because it's really hard to interview people because you have to listen to interview people. And he did. And uh, so that's a talent in itself. And the fact that he did it old school, I just remember the lighting being very dramatic. And um, it was his own. He didn't, he didn't go by what was cool and what was in at the time. He just did Skippy. And that's unique. Right. He was unique. If you think about it, I said he didn't do stand-up, but he did do stand-up because it was on his cable shows. The guy has, you know. That's true. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, 12, 13, 14, 15, all that stuff. I could only stay out here long enough because so many people want to get together with me. And I sneak in and then people yell at me. It's so hard for us to leave the business and five dogs. <laughs> Was Ed Rosie your old PR guy? He's never been my publicist, but I know him forever. But um, Roger, He's Neil. On his website as Really? Client, yeah. No, we were friends. I was Roger, Roger Neal was uh, my publicist for. Th yeah. Um, actually, Jeff Abraham was my publicist for many years. I mean, I had other people before Jeff, but Jeff was like the end of Up All Night and a lot of my stand-up days. And he's great. He's, you still do any stand-up? It's funny. No, I haven't been doing any lately, but. I thought about doing it to promote the book as just another platform. So I've been offered some dates, and you know, I didn't want to headline, but feature or MC. And now I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that, because I'd, I'd have to write. I mean, I'd love to just get if I could just MC and get up and BS with the crowd, I would do it. I think that's the, the best place for me to be, because <laughs> I mean, I have fun, and I just and I just talk about things that are current, and I get great laughs. But I just don't think I have the attention span anymore to write yeah. I, I'm busy writing other stuff so I don't I don't know I know so I actually want to do more of these autograph shows like comic-con so there's a ton of them and I think that's where the best also the book is being shop, shopped around to some ma major publishers too not that that means anything I hear anymore I hear that they help a little bit but not necessarily as much as you think that they would. When you go to the autograph show, do you take books with you? Do people buy books uh, this is the autograph? first time I've done it. So this oh. is my first time ever doing this show. But um, I'm taking books and pictures and some, my, I have an assistant from LA who's coming, I mean from Florida, who's coming in and bringing posters. I hear the guy posters. the show is really uptight. Really? I don't know they anything about him. Or something. I, don't, I don't know anything about him. But he must do well with it. I, I'm yeah, booked I on their Chicago one too. I think that'll be fun. Um, yeah, they don't, and they don't do them often, and they don't let the same people come often, you know, because people want new people. I know that's kind of cool with what's going, with what's going on. Are you doing both days or just tomorrow? Just tomorrow. I was asked to do both days, but um, the Barnes and Noble thing came first. I think one day for me, pers you know, it's really funny. I'm kind of shy and don't love doing that kind of stuff. It's I'm outspoken. I can stand. I can talk in front of millions of people, but I'm not. It, it exhausts me. I love talking to fans, but when there's that many, I don't know if there'll be that many. I might have like one person, but. It takes a lot out of you. It does. I'm sorry. I'm. 
I'm actually kind of shy. And that's hard to believe. You know that. <laughs> All right, I think we're ready, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Um, uh, so let's start with uh, how would you like your name spelled for credit? Um, R-H-O-N-D-A and last name Shear, S-H-E-A-R. And do you have a credit that goes under it or is it just your uh, name? You could put... Uh, <laughs> I don't know anymore. Um Designer comedian. Designer comedian. Okay. And what, <laughs> kind of covers everything. What's the best contact number to get uh, a hold of you for the premiere? Uh, 727-244-2550. It's my cell. Or you can get in touch with Jonas PR. I don't have his number off the top of my head, but it's Jeff Abraham. Okay. In Santa Monica. And then um, today is February 9th. Yes. 2018. Mm -hmm. And we're at uh, Beverly Hills, and this is the Skippy Lowe documentary. Do you give us permission to use your footage? Yes, I do. All and right. if I find the footage that he that we did, I did his show a couple of times, or at least once, I would love you all to have that as well. We never found her footage. I'm not found anything yet. That's why I was asking her about it. We haven't gone through everything. I just remember seeing it. It was very, like, uh, Kind of the way he shot was kind of like Harrell esque, glamorous. Right. Um, he was oh. dramatic. Okay, let's get started here. Okay. So, um, let's start out with where or when did you first learn of Skippy Lowe? Well, through my comedy partner who I met in Harvey Lembeck's class, uh, Kenny Ellis. And we were young. Uh, wannabes in Hollywood and we both loved comedy and we took improv with Harvey Lembeck who was an icon himself and Kenny and I just started trying to get out there and reading drama log and trying to work as a team which we did and we had kind of an unusual act because I was doing mime kind of like this doll like mime a la Shields and Arnell and Kenny uh, was singing to me and it was kind of old school but we were like literally crashing studios he would carry me in it and I'd be wearing a nude body stocking and like a mannequin and then he would dress me sounds perverted but it wasn't it was cute and we we got accepted to a, I mean you couldn't do it today with the security but um we crashed a lot of studios and met a lot of people anyway long story short Kenny knew of Skippy and his showcase and he said we should go uh you know audition for him he had already met him and done solo with Skippy so we did that so we 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 did a lot of showcases we did the Maskers Club and um just a lot of whatever we could the Palomino Club well I'm, I can't believe that that just popped in my head we would work anywhere there was a stage that would allow us or and even if they didn't allow us we worked so that was cool and then years later um not that many years later but in 1984 I wanted to do solo stand-up and so I reached back out to Skippy and um he had then moved his showcase to the Holiday Inn, which I don't think it's called that anymore, in Beverly Hills. I think it was, I think it was on Cannon. I'm not sure of the street, but anyway, he had moved the showcase. And so I, I had my five minutes of stand-up, and I remember I went one night. I can't remember what night this, this, the showcase was on, but I went, and I had my notes in my hand, and I was ready to go up, and then I chickened out. So um, he was cool. He goes, well, just come back next week, darling. Everybody was darling, and he was very dramatic, and I just loved him. And he was one of the few people that, well, he was the only person I went to at that point that I was just starting to do solo, solo stand-up, and uh, that I, I hadn't gone to the Comedy Store, the Improv, or the Laugh Factory, or any of those yet. So anyway, I did go back the next week. Now, this is 
this is in my book, this story. So um, I have my notes again, and I'm feeling really queasy and really nauseous, and I'm in the bathroom, and I'm, and I'm going to do it, and I've signed up. And so out come, I'm following five little guy, five children doing their Michael Jackson impression. <laughs> so that was my opening act. I mean, there was like just all kinds. It was like a gong show. I mean, there was everyone, everything. There were, But there was some always great talent mixed in with gong show-esque type of acts. And I think everybody who was anybody went through there at some point. But anyway, I got up. I followed um, the five kids doing Michael Jackson. I got up, and I'm doing my five minutes, and and someone went, and I went, I got a laugh, and that was it. That was it. I heard a laugh, which truly was a sneeze, and there there might have been ten people in the audience all together anyway, and that gave me the confidence then to go on and uh, stand in front of the laugh factory and sign in and wait and then stand at the comedy store and get into the belly room before ever making the main room uh, for years and um and then the improv but my home club uh was the laugh factory and the improv um but definitely gave me the confidence and so one of my early funniest stories and skippy was always like he would bring me up he would bring talent up i mean even though i just got a sneeze and not a laugh he would say darling come back uh whereas i I went on a showcase. It was a few showcases around town, but I think Skippy's got the most attention. But Sammy Shore had one, as in Mitzi Shore's ex-husband. And so he was he was doing some of the rooms around town. And so I signed up for his. And he looked at me and he said, oh, you're just too sexy. No one's going to buy it. You might as well go back to law school, because I told him I was accepted to law school, and just forget it. Just leave this town. You'll never be taken seriously as a comic. And, of course, this is in my book as well. That angered me because Skippy was bringing me up, and then I go over to this man who was in the comedy business, who was a comedian, and he was putting me down. And um, I said, I'll show you. And then years later, I ended up working uh, with Sammy. I think it was a golf tournament where we were both performing uh, you know, for a charity. But he, he did reach out and say, good job. You, you went all the way, or you, you did well. I mean, I ended up headlining. But um, I have to say, when it came to Skippy, he was always warm, always accepted, never put you down. It, it, he was so dramatic and such a throwback um, to old Hollywood. And both Kenny Ellis and myself, my first partner, my first comedy partner, we loved old Hollywood. We really embraced it. We loved being on any soundstage, any studio. We'd sneak onto lots. And so I think Skippy embodied that for us, that he was he was old school. He was that taste. We, I mean... We didn't, you know, Skippy came off a bit of feminine. He had a bouffant. His voice was very high and shrill, but you just knew he, or at our age, at 23 and in our 20s, he was a very important guy to us. And he was the only person that embraced young talent and made you feel really good because you'd go out on audition if you got one here or there and doors are slammed in your face. And yet you always felt like you had a safe haven when you went to Skippy's showcase. He embraced you. And, um, Years later, I had the opportunity, after uh, getting my own television show on USA Network called Up All Night, he asked me to come on his show as a celebrity. So it was really full circle to, uh, to, you know, to have him interview me. And he was a great interviewer. He really was a great interviewer. And um, I'm really glad that this documentary is being done on him because he deserved it. He started a lot of careers and, unfortunately, was probably possibly one of the forgotten ones. And... 
so happy that uh, some of the footage will be relived and um, everybody will get to know this very, very special heart, a very special warm heart, as well as just a unique character that did things his own way, his own character. He never changed it. He never deviated it from it. And um, he had his own act. I never saw his, his act. But he always performed a little bit before he introduced you, so that was his way of, of still performing. Um, Skippy never seemed to change in age either. He was ageless. He was timeless. I mean, no matter how old you were, it, it, he or what was happening, whether music was changing, things were changing around you, Skippy was con constant. And I think that all of us as young performers looked for that, someone that we could hold on to and say, wow, I mean, he's there for me, he's there for us, and um, you just had this little safe haven that even if your agent let you go or even if you didn't get this audition or whatever, you could always go back and feel really good about him. Did you recognize that uh, the Skippy that you first met and had any dealings with was any different than the Skippy you met after you had some success? No. Skippy Lowe was the same person always. That was the constant in him. That was the, that was the, um, that's what made you feel at home and warm and safe, you know, being around him because, no, he didn't, I mean, he didn't look at me any differently. I didn't look at him any differently. And I was taught, the way I was reared was to be thankful, especially for people who helped me like Skippy. My parents knew him. My mom knew him. My mother used to go to the showcases and watch me work. Um, and, and so we appreciated him because, you know, not everybody in Hollywood helps young people. Doors are slammed in their face. They're just, you know, turned away. He didn't do that. So uh, if you had a bad day and maybe you didn't get on at the comedy store or the improv or any of those places, I, I didn't sing. I wish I would have. He had great talent that would come through there that would just blow your mind. I um, can't remember names offhand, but just some people like Kenny Ellis uh, would have these incredible voices. And... Uh, but then he also had the Michael Jackson and, and Ventriloquist and pretty much, I'm sure, the same people that, uh, that um, Chuck Barris might have had on the gong show. I mean, all those things were going on around this. By the way, I ended up doing the gong show and the dating game and um, $1.98 beauty show. I did all of Chuck's shows, too. And actually, he was a really warm being and not what he appeared either. It was very nice to young talent, and everybody went through his shows. So uh, I think... The difference was that Skippy Lowe never had his day in the sun, at least, um, you know, in terms of really being uh, awarded. He probably should have gotten some special award from the TV Academy for really helping people um, feel really good and, and, and make it, you know, to literally when people, like I had Sammy Shore who's putting me down and Skippy's going, you're fabulous. And he'd laugh right along with the person who was sneezing. <laughs> so fond, beautiful memories. Um, that stand out in my head about him. Yeah. I was very saddened when I heard he passed, and it's like Skippy seemed, I don't know, he seemed just to be the same age ever since I knew him, and even when I saw pictures later in life, he, he seemed like he never changed. And um, it just seemed like he would always be there for the next generation to come around. Did you have an opportunity to see any of his stuff on cable TV? I did, I did, and I thought it was really good, including my own. I, I can't remember if I did one or two, but I just remember it seemed, I don't know if it was filmed in black and white, but it just seemed to have that feeling, that old Hollywood that he loved and embraced, 
that whole and the way he dressed. I mean, no one dressed like him. I mean, no one. He, I mean, he wore robes. You know, <laughs> and he was just something. I mean, really, truly, somebody somebody should have done a show on him years and years ago. So sometimes it takes a long time to be noticed. Um, but I'm glad he's getting it now, and I'm glad that he knew that a documentary was in the works about him. That must have made him feel really, really good. Um, yeah, he was one of a kind. Yeah, I would tell him, Skip, you know, this documentary, we're gonna, it's going to be your big break. This is what's <laughs> going to put you, we're going to go to Sundance, and you'll be, you'll be like in front of the mob signing autographs. He was really excited. I bet, I yeah. bet. I hope you, I hope Skippy and you guys get an Oscar for this. He should. That would be awesome. It would be great. The more people that you all interview and speak to, because I know there's tons of celebrities and stars that worked with him early on. Just like I saw Farrah Fawcett in an old dating game. I'm like, everybody did those shows. I mean, we all wanted to be seen because you never knew who was in the crowd. You never knew if there was an agent. Um, probably met more people through Skippy than through anybody else. You know, you just had to be out there and and people like Kenny and myself knew that. The more you were out there and the more, more you beat the pavement. I don't know how it is today. I can't even imagine uh, with like a, a video audio tapes. I mean, um, you know, videotapes and taping yourself on your iPhone and sending it into auditions. Like there's no more personal feeling where, or is there even anybody even like even close to a Skippy that has a talent contest that embraces people that are just coming from, you know, little towns in Louisiana, little towns all over the country. So uh, he did. He embraced everyone. He loved, he loved young people. I think that's what made him perpetually young is his, him embracing, never talking down to youth, but talking to you as an equal. Very special heart.